Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it! Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Park Cast. This is a weekly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Luke and join us as we climb the Empire State Building of Theme Park Attractions with Confrontation. Of course, we can't scale the Empire State Building alone, so please welcome the damsel in distress we are carrying to the top of the New York skyline, my Review Time co-host, Dominic Lacey. What is it the famous line at the end of it, which is like, "'Twas beauty which killed the beast." Am I the beauty or am I the beast? Like, the damsel in distress, is that the beauty? Are you that calling makes you the beauty. Look? Take it. Take it as a good... Oh, thank yeah. you. And that, I guess that makes me the hideous ape monster. Hooray, I've made the oh, big time. Or you could be the director. <laughs> like, you, you don't oh, have Carl, to be the ape. Carl the... someone? Yes. Isn't that his name? <laughs> Carl Denham, is Carl it? Carl someone. Carl Denham. Carl Denham, I he's, think. Yeah. His Jack brother's Black first name the, was the uh, Gene. Gene Denham. Oh, Sorry, I thought I had to explain that denim. one. We should... <laughs> the, the sign of a good joke. I, sorry, guys. I just have to explain this one. Um, but yes, today we are talking about Confrontation. Uh, two weeks ago on my episode, we talked about Jaws the Ride. Confrontation is another opening day attraction at Universal Studios Florida, which this year is celebrating its 30th anniversary, which is why we're talking oh, about happy the birthday. three big rides. Essentially, from that park. Hmm. It's like an unofficial but, series. We do these on review time where we'll just yeah. sort of like, we'll have a series. We know it's a series. We never say anything about it. I don't know why. Secret we had like a series. series going for a while that was like Walt Disney themed and we just didn't yeah. say anything about it for some reason. But that's, mm. uh, this is a secret series as well. And if you're listening secret, to this uh, podcast, you know now. Oh, you're in on a little this, secret. <laughs> um, which we've talked about Jaws. We're about to talk about Kong. So, and we said we're going to talk about three. There might be a little sneak peek at an upcoming episode before the end of the year. So, stay I, tuned for that I one. I don't even know. But what today, the third of course, one is. we. Oh, it's a it's one that I kind of have ridden, but not really. I've ridden a version of it more than I've ridden a version of the other two. Uh, well, this I, is one that okay, I've it's, kind it's of earthquake. ridden, but. It's Earthquake. Oh. The, the, the next coming up will be Earthquake. Um, and I've ridden the, as a teaser, the weird version of the attraction uh, called Disaster, a major motion picture starring you, where they put cameras oh. on the ride vehicle and made you like scream and yelp and holler through the entire part. And then as you were going back onto the ride station, they'd play this fake film with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay. It was um, an event. That sounds like yeah. a <laughs> Is it is that kind of like it movie world they have in the Hollywood stunt driver where it's like you jump out and it's like we yeah. need someone to be the driver the and it's like oh yeah. pretend like you're evil and then they put it all together yeah. and it's like come in this yeah. summer okay mm -hmm. cool I dig it I get the yep. idea uh, yeah. does it work that, that's a good little tease for an upcoming episode in a couple of uh, weeks but today confrontation now this started all the way back and the only version of confrontation i know both of us have ridden is actually the universal mm. hollywood version do you have any personal mm. memories of that one 
Look, I, I remember a couple of things from that. Uh, firstly was the, like, I guess the significance to Universal Studios. It, from what I remember, it was like one of the first rides or like thematic additions. It, it had been around for a very long time. And when it eventually burnt down mm-hmm. a, a couple of years ago or within the last decade, it was quite a significant event within the, the yeah. theme park community because they then just replaced it with screens instead of going for the entire oh. sort of physical set that they had. Because as you would go through, mm. it was just like this huge physical set in this warehouse that sort Mm -hmm. of descended into the ground like you were in this 3d space on a bridge and you would look around and like i just remember it being so all-encompassing and immersive with the effects and you can sort of see how it burnt down though because a helicopter crashed (laughs) in it and blew up in fire Um, fire. i'm like yeah how how did they do that inside (laughs) (laughs) um it's funny this when I think back of my first trip to Universal Studios Hollywood back in 2008, I have like a couple of memories that stick out. And this is one of them. Mm. This Kong, giant King Kong animatronic. And then um, when I went back the second time in 2016, I remember at that time as well, because I got to sit in the prime seats. Now, <sighs> it's still kind of a thing, but if you got to sit on the very right hand edge of the tram at the Universal Mm. Studios Hollywood tram tour, that was like the place to be. Because at this point, on the right-hand side was Kong, the Kong animatronic that would Mm. breathe in your face and roar at you. Uh, Jaws, the Jaws shark is on the right-hand side. Uh, The Grinch set is on the right-hand side. Like pretty much everything good is on the right-hand side. The only thing that I can think of... yeah. Off, off the top of my head that isn't on the right-hand side is the flash flood scene in the mm. Mexico area. That's on the left-hand the side. So, and that's one of my favorite ones had to make because one I got thing, to right? walk around there. Like, I don't think I've ever talked about this Ooh. on the podcast, but um, no. maybe we can cover it a little bit more in detail um, when we talk about something at Universal Studios Hollywood. But mm-hmm. I've actually worked, not worked as in paid, um, but I... Paid to work on the the oh Hollywood the opposite backdrop. work <laughs> yes yeah, so, well my parents paid it was when I was younger it was part of yeah. an intensive acting course with the New York Film Academy which have a a location just off the back lot and we actually got to go on set and there were lots of areas where I could walk around and I'll talk about a little bit more when we do an episode on Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, or just one of the attractions that involves the backlot. Maybe we could even mm. just do a backlot episode. Yeah. Maybe, because I don't have an idea, that could be next week's episode. So- <laughs> oh, stay tuned. There's lots of teasers this week. So what, what you're essentially trying to say is you got to live out everyone's dream to be in their favorite Hollywood motion picture of all time, Big Fat Liar with Frankie Muniz. Oh, 100%. That's, I was Frankie yeah. Muniz for three wow. or five days. Who was days. the big fat liar? Who is that guy? I can't even remember that actor's <laughs> name, but that movie, I swear, was they must have just been like, okay, we need to make a movie and we've got a budget of about 50 bucks, but they'll let us use the back lot for a week. So as long as it's on the back lot, it doesn't cost us anything. Uh, Look, put in the flash flood, uh, put in the earthquake scene. There is a video. It's like a 15-minute video of uh, Steven Spielberg. 
and some random mm-hmm. and they're just sort of chatting about his experience on the backlight. And just that in itself, it's just a GoPro on a golf cart. And that is an amazing video because you're going through all of these. Oh, yeah. Cool I know the video you're talking, you're talking about. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, like you can just have a GoPro on that. The set king that looks amazing. Universal, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, but, but quickly talking about the Universal Hollywood version of uh, this attraction, as we're saying, it was part of the Universal Tram Tour. Pretty much the one reason to go to that park. Um, But 1976, there's a big budget Hollywood remake of King Kong. And even though it was released right at the end of the year, so only 13 days left in the year, it was still the seventh highest grossing film uh, in 1976. So in 13 days, it was number seven. And then in the following year, it just went on. It smashed box office uh, charts. And is a film I had absolutely no real idea about. When I think of King Kong, I either think of, you know, the really old black and white classic King Kong, mm. or I think of the newer Peter Jackson King Kong. I don't I don't really have any recollection of this 76 film. Oh, that's, uh, you know, when you were saying the 1976 film, or you were saying the new blockbuster of King Kong, that was me actually thinking about the the Jack Black version. And, you know, with yeah, uh, Peter King's Jackson's. Island or whatever it is. Um, yeah, Skull uh, Island. Skull Island. King's Island is a theme park. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Which that's there what is I was now Yeah. There is now, like, an another King Kong series that was recently released, and it was just called, like, Skull Island. King Kong was yeah, on it, it and was... I think coming up soon, King Kong vs. Godzilla is coming out or something. Who knows, of course, with the These... current film slate, the way it's going, but... These expanded universes are getting a bit wild. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Who can fight who? I'm expecting Um, a a TV ad expanded universe. You're going to have the the Dunlop (laughs) guy, the the big Dunlop (laughs) fluffy dude with Mr. Sheen, and it's going to be like they need to save the day from the evil corporations, (laughs) even though they're all made by corporations. The film's food fight? Yes. That's just the film food fight, pretty much. And we all know how that turned out. And if you don't, look up the film Food Fight with Charlie Sheen. Not if you're um, under 18. Don't don't look it up. Oh, no. Very <laughs> um, I, I was reading about this 1976 film, and the mm. one thing that stood out, and the only thing worth mentioning, of course, on the Review Time theme podcast, is that it may or may not have been thanks to our man, Michael Eisner. What? Apparently he was like, what? this was when he was at Paramount. Mm. Apparently he was like watching the old one with his kids. The start of all good Michael yes, Eisner stories yeah, yep. involving his with kids. Breck, um, of course. And his kids were like, yay, this is great. And he rang up the studio execs like under him and was like, yo, let's make a new King Kong. And apparently, and then another guy was like, no, that's not how it happened at all. It was all my idea, not Michael Eisner's. <laughs> Who was that? The the bitter dude who got kicked off the credit list. Who was like, <laughs> "No, it was my idea. It was my kids sitting watching the old Kong." No, look, uh-huh. we we have to say every time we mention Michael Eisner. Uh, if you're listening to this, very unlikely that you are, um, <laughs> but you're always welcome on, Mister Eisner. We please, we respect please. you. We we need the to king. have a chat. We need to clear your name in the theme park community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but back to Cogvitation at Hollywood, uh, the King Kong giant 30 foot tall King Kong animatronic itself was designed by the legendary Bob Gurr, king oh. of Disney 
Imagineering, essentially the ride vehicles, Germobiles. He designed the monorail. He designed the Autopia vehicles, the submarines, the Matterhorn, the Omnimover ride system. All of this is thanks to Bob Gurr. He actually retired. A lot of people don't know. Is he retired quite early from Imagineering and went on to do his own thing. Hmm. And it's with this own thing that he would design stuff like this for Universal Studios. Um, and then it took them about 10 years to get this onto the Backlot Tour. So on the 14th of June, 1986, Kong was ready for the big debut of this new attraction. Essentially, they build it as as part of of the studio tour. And it was a four minute experience baked into this hour long tour. And it got guests and the industry talking this larger than life encounter with King Kong was blowing people's minds. And it bringing it back was one of the first things where people were like, I didn't think anyone other than Disney could do something of this Mm. caliber. These very early, and we see it quite often, you know, people like, it happened with King Kong and then it happened again with Harry Potter and this constant cyclical nature of Universal showing that they can one-up Disney if they really want to. And even now with uh, Super Nintendo World, which is opening at Tokyo, mm. uh, not Tokyo, I was about to say Tokyo Disney Osaka, <laughs> um, which is not the right place, uh, with Universal Studios Osaka, they're opening up Super Nintendo World. If you look it up, it is this all-encompassing experience oh. where you are set within mm-hmm. the world of Mario. And if you think about it, they didn't go with a hyper-realistic version. This is Mario. You step in as yep. as a character in that world, as if you were in the video game and you were experiencing itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I have mentioned this before where, yeah, Is that something that people want to do after seeing these pictures? Yes, this is something that I definitely want to do. I definitely want to experience this. I think it was a a good couple of years ago now where we made a video called Do Video Games Belong in Theme Parks? And I think we were quite critical of the idea at the time. But now seeing all this stuff coming out, I think we were worried that they wouldn't know how to blur this line between reality and the digital game where it seems that they haven't needed to blur it. They're just going to drop you right into the (laughs) digital game brought to life. The thing that I was so concerned about when making that video, because I remember that was one that I made, but it was one of the few that you featured in. Uh, Yeah, I think it's my voiceover, but I think you did everything else. Yeah, it was my script. Which was just your way, you know, of throwing me in the deep end in case people were... (laughs) I think you you were away or something where you could edit and write, but you couldn't VO sort of thing. I was away for work um, where I yeah. used to work uh, training around the country, which I don't do anymore because it was just way too tiring. But I remember one of the things <laughs> I was so concerned about is that you're going to have this world that is almost entirely fiberglass or well, what I thought was just fiberglass because I'm so used yeah. to seeing that style of sort of sheeny plastic mm-hmm. just being that used. Pla- and, fake. and after like, fake, yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't be good. But if you look at the, the pictures, you can tell that they've chosen the perfect materials, a lot of wood and oh, concrete yeah. and textured yeah. uh, plastics and things like that. And it looks phenomenal. It looks like the mm-hmm. multiple different textures that you would have in a regular video game. The upkeep, 
I don't know how they're going to do that because oh, yeah. it is like the moment that that color fades, even scuffs. in the slightest, oh, yeah. or as you, yeah, as you said, scuffs. Um, there's no real plants or real grass or anything like that. No, it is going to yep. be incredibly hard to maintain. But maybe that's why it's so small, because like, yeah. if you think about the outdoor, it's very con, it's very confined, like mm. very contained. It's very controlled. There's not a lot of freedom of you know the guests to have this huge expansive area it's very you do x y and z you've got the levels and stuff but it is quite compact Mm. the you know just the general area that you can walk around in the land it would be good to um to eventually see that at universal studios osaka but maybe we should make our way back to universal studios hollywood and and continue talking about confrontation they've never announced it of course because universal hates to announce any attractions they're working on but they are building Super Nintendo Land for Universal Hollywood. So mm. who knows which version of that will be uh, able to visit first, whether it be Osaka or Hollywood. But we're looking forward to it when we're able to leave the country again. Yeah. But, uh, back to- <laughs> Look, it's all up in the air at the moment. Everything is a wild who knows? card. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, this is everyone in the industry is raving about it. And it runs for quite a number of years until unfortunately on the 1st of June 2008, it was destroyed uh, by a fire. This is confrontation, a mysterious, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, just in case Hollywood people are version. confused yes. and they're like, wait, Super Nintendo World burnt <laughs> down in 2008? It hasn't even opened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, back in time. Uh, but yeah, so confrontation on the back lot uh, burns down on 1st of June 2008. Mm. I was actually there about a week before it burnt down. Oh, wow. So I was at Universal Hollywood and Disneyland and the Southern California area in the final weeks of um, May. Is that the fifth month? Yeah, yeah. May. Yeah, so I was there it was a couple of weeks earlier. And I remember this kind of happened just as I got home. And I remember turning on the TV and it even made news here in Australia that it had burnt down. Mm. And I was... Kind of got that, you know, that disconnect where you're like, whoa, I was just there. So I, I was lucky enough to be one of the last, you know, yeah, uh, days of operation for this attraction, which is a real shame because it was a big change in the industry, as we were saying. It was a pivotal attraction for Universal Hollywood. And when you look in the history of it, it was one of the things that got Universal Florida back on the table because they were kind of on again, off again with what they wanted to do. Uh, Disney comes in, they build their um, own fake version of the park with Disney MGM Studios. And then they're like, I don't know if we should do this or not. Uh, But Kong was essentially the proof of concept. Spielberg saw the people working on Kong, was like, this is incredible. Let's build the Florida park, but let's do this, but on the next level scale, Mm. which they do. So they build Universal Studios Florida, which has the tagline, ride the movies, Mm. which... You know what you're getting yourself into as soon as you walk into the park when it opened. You're going to step foot into your favorite movies. And whilst, you know, Jaws and E.T. and King Kong and Earthquake aren't huge pictures nowadays, yeah. you know, they're, we know of them because they're iconic, but they're not the big blockbusters they were. But, you know, back in the 90s, a completely different time. Back then, sort of it thing. would have been the equivalent of opening up a theme park today, which is like, you know, 
the Mandalorian uh, land uh, or ride, mm. the Avengers ride, having all of these yeah. huge Disney sort of intellectual properties and yeah. just going, here you go, experience them. Because they, they were all within yeah. sort of the decade of those movies coming out and things were a little bit more slow moving back in those times. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, this movie Without is the internet. out for like a month and then it's gone. So it, yeah. it was more, yeah, things meandered along. And so people would have had an opportunity to go and experience those rides. They'd be like, oh, well, I saw E.T. Mm. last week. I'm going to Universal Studios yeah. in a year. I'm going to be able to experience and, and ride that movie, which I think yeah. really gets people through the door and constantly brings up a problem that I have with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is, you know, so many people want to ride the movies. You want to, you see a movie and you're like, wouldn't yeah. it be cool to go on well, that you want to step into the movie at least. Yeah. And yeah. not even just the set. Like you've got Hollywood theme parks where you can walk around and see how movies are made. But I just, I always feel like Galaxy's You want to step into the world. Yeah, miss yeah. the mark because you walk in there and it's like, okay, cool. There's the sequel characters, which I think has to do with licensing. Um, and then. They've said that, but I don't think that's correct. Yeah. Like I've heard that whole thing where they're like, oh, if they are, have to use vader then they have to pay george lucas mm. but it's like yeah, but you've been able to meet vader at star wars um outpost or whatever it's launch bay for the last five years it was it wouldn't cost them any more to take him out of launch bay and put him into Batu. he's walking around hong kong disneyland and he's hanging out yeah. like all of those characters are in hyperspace mountain, so I'm sure it's not that hard yeah. for them to put them into a ride. But no. I just, I it, always it, think... From what I've heard... From the... It's a very, like, decision of story. Like, it's a storyline decision and nothing more of... And which... You, you can kind of see it, and I think it comes a lot from what happened with Pandora, mm. where Pandora was this thing where nobody necessarily had this huge connection to the land... And even the version of the land you can visit isn't the version from the film. Mm. It's like set 200 years after or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So I think they saw that and went, oh, people want these new experiences in a slightly familiar location. But what they didn't realize is people are really connected to Star Wars. Yeah. People aren't really connected to Avatar. That's the thing. People remember certain things from Avatar, like they remember the floating mountains and banshees and giant yeah. blue people. And so when you go into this mm -hmm. area, you don't really expect to visit the world of Avatar. Like you don't remember any of these significant locations. You don't remember anything specific. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just Apart cool. from those three things, which it ticks the boxes. They have the floating mountains, they have the blue characters, mm. and they have the banshees throughout the land. And then I think when, of, when you expect Star Wars, it's like, yeah, sure. You expect, you know, a Millennium Falcon and an X-Wing or a TIE fighter tick. It has those. Mm. But you also expect familiar characters like Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader or Yoda or not the Disney-fied characters, mm. which we've got, unfortunately. And some of my favorite, like, I really do like Galaxy's Edge and I'm excited to eventually get the chance to visit uh, now that Rise of the Resistance has opened. But even visiting, you know, I was there about a month after opening. It was like, this is really cool. But damn, I wish it was more. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. And it's even, I feel people would be a lot more forgiving if it also opened with what they promised, where it was this whole, you create your own story in the Star Wars universe. 
and you know bounty hunters can follow you around because you've crashed the millennium falcon and droids can come up to you and give you missions and stuff like that that feels like the land was completely designed around that where you're building your own story and by putting it in a blank canvas that not necessarily everyone knows oh that's luke's house oh this is Jabba's palace, you know, mm. that sort of stuff. By putting it in a blank canvas, if you truly were able to build your story, it makes sense because you can say, this isn't Jabba's palace. This is, you know, DJ Rex's cantina. And here's where I got that payoff from the bounty hunter and blah, blah, blah. And I can build my own universe and build my own Star Wars Create story. Create your own but Star Wars story. Because they've attracted all that extra stuff. It's just a blank canvas now, and there's no way to paint upon well, it. Well, there's two things from that. They took all of the extra stuff and moved it into an upcharge experience in the Star Wars we Hotel. We think. We don't even know. That's what everyone thinks, but it, who knows? Yeah, true. I mean, surely it's going to have something, but who knows if it's... Yeah. <laughs> a, a boring cruise. <laughs> That's what it seems like. The, the other thing as well I just want to mention regarding uh, Star Wars is... Oh, man, I forget now. Uh, maybe we can just go on with it. Yes, very important. Um, it'll come back to me yep. later. Uh, back to Kong. <laughs> Let's uh, read one. We'll have to do a podcast on Galaxy's Edge, like a, a debate, the great debate, or whether <laughs> is it any good? I'll be on the, the positives. You'll be on the negative. Oh, no, that's I remember it now. So people are like, wow, Dom just completely forgot about that. I didn't. The thing <laughs> that we're seeing now is are you noticing that there's a lot of really odd media tie-ins with Batu, and I feel like it's Disney's way of being like, oh. We have to do something with this space. We have to try and get some connections because there's the star, um, not the Star Wars. There's the, the, the Sims, Sims tie-in. There's the Lego tie-ins. There's a VR. Mm, there's like a VR like adventure a sort of game. Oculus Rift VR experience. Yeah. It's like. Which I honestly feel one of two things have happened. One, all that was meant to come out with the land yep. because they had like the comic and the novel and all that mm. sort of stuff. And it all got pushed back. Or two, exactly what you're saying. You're like, oh, we need to cre create uh, some form of connection with this place. Yeah, I think Disney is just throwing money at companies being like, please, <laughs> have our licensing for free. <laughs> take it. Take Star Wars. You know that that one of the biggest franchises of all time that we've kind of blundered in the last five years? Whoops. <laughs> Do something with it. The Mandalorian <laughs> carrying the entire franchise. Please, how long until, uh, yeah, Galaxy's Edge is Mandalorian land? Oh, yeah, definitely. Anyway, back to Universal <laughs> Studios. Off yeah, the that's a quite a Dom, Dom and Luke Disney uh, podcast. Some... <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're back. We're at Universal Studios, Florida. So the ride confrontation opens alongside Universal Studios on the 7th of June, 1990. And just like all the other groundbreaking attractions in the park... It barely worked. Oh, Hooray! The what common a trope. <laughs> um, and you'll find out why soon when we talk about how complex this ride system is and it needs to talk with the safety software, the animatronics. Um, and it is that I think we might have quickly talked about it on Jaws, but if not, they had an, like a promotion essentially that was like, if you came in the first year of Universal Studios Florida being open, when you walked out, they gave you another day ticket <laughs> that was essentially like, please come back when everything works look, and see what it's meant to look like. It's like hush money. Um, it's like, hey, you can come back yeah. whenever you want, please. 
it was pretty, I know you had a really bad day, but it was pretty much free, right? If I give you this. <laughs> so, That's a good idea. Um, th- yeah. And it, thankfully it worked because Universal Studios Florida is still around, mm. even though people talk about how bad it was upon opening, which is the same at Disneyland when they talk about Black Sunday, when that park opened and everything went wrong. This park had the same thing. Unsurprisingly, big, you know, billion dollar projects can have teething issues when you unleash tens of thousands of guests upon them. Mm. Um, You're going to have but, problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, uh, Universal was sort of more teed up to have more problems because a lot of this technology that you're, you're going to mention as we go on is very ahead of its time. Yeah. Like they were willing to take risks. Mm. If you look at what Disney was doing at the time, you had the big risks were kind of like your Indiana Jones adventure and stuff like that. And it had issues as well. To make big risks in the world of theme parks, you often have big issues, Mm. which most companies are still willing to take them, which is a good thing. Like even look at today, Rise of the Resistance, big risks, still having big issues almost a year after they opened. Well, theme parks are, are oddly enough always on this edge of bleeding edge technology. Um, yeah. If you think about some of the achievements that we've had just because we want to send people careening around a metal, you know, giant yeah. death structure, um, <laughs> you know, Space Mountain back in 1975 had the first automated ride system yeah computer um, system which controlled the roller coasters and i've heard that equated to essentially walking around with an iphone in the 90s like that's how ahead of the time it was blown people's mind because computer automation at that time was something that was super rare like even though it was available but computers in 1975 were huge like We've had huge advances since then. But you think about all of this stuff, like the uh, experience that you can have at Galaxy's Edge now with the uh, Star Wars fly one. Um, Help me, Luke. Uh, Millennium Falcon (laughs) Smuggler's one. Star Wars flyy one. Yes. That's all 3D rendered in real time, unlike things which Star Tours and that which is pre-rendered. So it's always going to be the exact same experience in the exact same location, and it's all predetermined. With Star Wars Smuggler's Run, that's rendered on the fly. Everything is Mm -hmm. done on the fly. So this is a simulator which you control, which is incredible. Like the amount of technology required for that. Like I work in technology, and that blows my mind. Yeah. (laughs) And it's that it is good to see the park still try to push the barrier, even though a lot of the time they have issues like they had on Kong. Mm. But we're going to have a quick break. And when we come back, we will try to focus a little more on Kong (laughs) and talk about confrontation that opened along with Universal Studios Florida in 1990. Okay, and we are back and we are talking about confrontation at Universal Studios Florida. Now, the attraction is designed by the Totally Fun Company, well, was, I guess, and they were behind a ton of Universal attractions at the time, including E.T. and Earthquake, but they were also behind something I know both of us have a strong connection Mm. to. It's my favorite stunt show of all time, Police Academy Stunt Show. At Movie World? Uh, So it was in a few different parks, but the one we're familiar with is the Movie World Gold Coast Australia version. Whoa. I didn't realize that it was sort of like 
not a traveling show, but I guess a licensed show. Yeah, it was in a couple of different locations. I believe it was in the other kind of movie world. You know how they open three around Hmm. the world? And I think it's like kind of still at the Germany one, Movie Park Germany, but it's called like Crazy Cops. Yeah, it's pretty much the exact same show, but they've just stripped it of its licensing. But look, no need for the uh, license. I just need to uh, quickly mention that you gave me a strong talking to during our break uh, about going on tangents. So I'll make sure that we don't go (laughs) too far off anymore as we uh, divulge into the last. That's tied together. (laughs) Totally fun. True. What do I have to do? We might have to do a one time, a stunt show countdown or something Ooh. of our favorite stunt shows in the world. Because there's a ton out there. And just just saying that, I'm like, I can name probably, you know, five that I, I love. Hollywood so, Stunt Driver that, 2, uh, Movie World, greatest stunt show uh, in the that's world. That's number one. And then number two is Hollywood Stunt Driver By a one long mile. There's Movie a huge world. gap. Huge gap. <laughs> is best stunt oh, of course, show. Of they course. go around in figure eights <laughs> in their vroom vroom cars. So. Oh. <laughs> Don't get us started. That'll be the rest of the episode. <laughs> So the ride system is incredible if you're not familiar with it. But it's designed by Aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with them, they created a lot of Disney attractions early in the days. First tubular steel roller coaster in the world. Heaps and heaps. You've probably ridden an arrow coaster. If you've ever been on (laughs) an old roller coaster that goes upside down and thrashes your head around, you've probably been on. If you've gone on a uh, a roller coaster coaster and experienced pain, uh, you have been on an arrow coaster. (laughs) Or a Vacoma SLC. One of the two. (laughs) If you sat on top of the track, it's probably an arrow. If you were hanging below, it's probably a Vacoma. Which they don't make Uh, anymore. (laughs) Yeah, what a shame. Uh, But the way the ride system works is it's a suspended ride system. So you know how on the Hollywood version, you drive across kind of a bridge and you can look down over the bridge. This ride system is in the roof and you're on an aerial tram above the streets of New York. Oh, wow. So you can look out and below you, there's no road. There's no ride system because you can't see it above you. It really looks like... You're gliding on this tramway above the city, which gives you this amazing view down below. But what it also has is a scissor lift system that allows the ride vehicle to drop. Oh. Which we'll, we'll get into how they use that later in the show. But apparently one of the like creatives behind it just one day strapped himself in and was like, drop it at full speed. And he was like, nope, too intense. (laughs) And then they would like dial it to feel like, yeah, it feels that feeling of crazy. You know, you're out of control, Mm. but you're not going to get hurt, essentially. Like it's not advertised as a drop tower. It's advertised as this King Kong story. Similar to the Jaws Uh, experience where it was like, all right, set off the fireballs and uh, get to mm -hmm. the point where it physically hurts (laughs) and then turn it back 10%. We're done. A little bit less. (laughs) Uh, So... Four years was between this version of Kong and the previous one. And in that time, they made huge advancements in technology for the animatronics. This version creates two, uh, created, sorry, this version had two, this version of the ride had two King Kongs. (laughs) Two? (laughs) This version of the ride had two King Kong animatronics instead of just the one. Uh, And they had way more movement and realistic expressions and stuff Mm. like that. And this ultimately was a five-minute adventure. So now let's take a journey back in time to Universal Studios Mm. and let's walk through 
confrontation. Oh, I've got my legs on. And as on. we always start is with the weenie and the facade. And it's a classic universal confusion. Because yes. it starts, you've got this huge white marble exterior of the historic Pennsylvania station, mm. uh, which was a main railroad station for New York City between uh, 1910 and 1963. So it kind of frames this ride, but doesn't really, as we'll go on to in a second. Yeah. Uh, but there's these huge banners strung up and it's like King Kong, as if you're entering, I don't know. Oh, like a museum? Because once you go in... Or a train? Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Museum? So you've got a railroad station, which looks like it's hosting a exhibit on King Kong. And as soon as you walk through the door, you see all this camera equipment and lighting that looks like you're on a film set. So you've gone through like three things as soon as you step into the oh, building. Yeah, I can see how <laughs> um, this definitely is a universal set confusion. Yep. That sounds very <laughs> typical of, um, um yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> So then you walk onto set, uh, which is a graffiti-covered station, like railroad station, but it looks like it's kind of from the, the 70s or the 80s because of, you know, all the posters and advertisements that are up around this. So we've walked into a train station that was demolished in the 60s, onto a hot set, onto a 1970s-slash-80s-feeling subway station, that at one point also had an advertisement for the 1998 remake of The Mummy, even though everything else said it was still set in the 70s, huh? which is like a nice little throwback to what this ride would eventually become oh, in true. the day. But it sounds like a really confused start to what is an awesome ride. But then it, it gets into the point where it's now like, okay, now you're getting into it. There's these television hmm. stations and they've actually got for the time... Uh, actual New York, you know, news reporters. And they're like, Kong's on the loose. Uh, he's escaped Manhattan somehow. It doesn't quite explain why he's in New York or anything <laughs> or where it takes place. He was hanging out at his friend's house and he got very upset <laughs> and had one too many whiskeys. <laughs> uh, it's been about a year since I destroyed the city. Time to do it again. Um, but he's come, he's escaped Manhattan and he's like destroying these elevated trains and he's heading towards the East River of New York City. He has a big hate for elevated trains. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? Um, but uh, So the only way we're going to survive this situation is by ourselves going on an elevated tramway that connects Manhattan, and we're trying to escape to Roosevelt Island. But to get to Roosevelt Island, we have to go above the East River. Oh, and that's no. where King Kong is going. But it, I'm sure nothing will go wrong. No, nothing right? will nothing, go wrong. It's a theme park wrong. attraction. Things never go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the kind of cool thing about the queue is it was Switchback City a little bit, but it had this mm. feel of an actual, you know, streets of New York and this grungy feel of the subway system. But it had, you know, an abandoned city block that looks like Shops had been barred up and boarded up because people are trying to escape from Kong. So you go up a ramp and you get to the tram station, which is based, which I didn't know it, but there is actually an elevated tram in New York City. And that's what this oh. ride system is based off. Which ah. I, when researching for this, I had to look it up because I knew about this ride system, but I was like, what is it actually based on? 
and nope, yep, there is these elevated, huge tram car systems in oh, New York. Are, are they the ones that are featured in Spider-Man? You know, where he's like, you have to pick between Mary Jane and oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. group of kids. And they're like, help us, Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, that's I, I think, think the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man like yeah, the original the first one and it's yeah, the green goblin and he's too. like I got this girl or a group of children something like that I don't know I, I'm not a very good yeah. that guy who's like oh yes I'm a scientist oh I know, I know he's that a meme guy, yep. that's all I know yeah <laughs> Will, William <laughs> Defoe that one yeah yeah there he is uh, but yeah, we're, so we have to get ourselves aboard this tram to escape the city before King Kong comes. And you board, it's just, you know, you walk on the tram and it takes out and you start going up above the city, which is this amazing moment as you start essentially flying oh. for what, you know, as a guest, like it would feel you see the train pull into the station and you'd probably expect, you know, a traditional tract ride system the way that the station is set up but it just keeps going and then you can look down and there's nothing below you which would have been a pretty cool moment i would say can i just say a hilarious movie related joke that i just came up with on mm. the spot and i have to because this is comedy gold oh, and, and it's and about it, to go you know saying any joke's going to be hilarious is always a great start what is the saddest thing within a movie studio the upset. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Look, I'll, I'll just, I'll clean it up with another. A good, what? A good, the, the upset, get it? Upset? Yeah, As I get sad? the word upset. <laughs> But this is the, is an upset a, a film term, or are you talking about the set for the Pixar film Up? No, because it's a, a set. <laughs> but uh, where's the word Up? I know that it's a set. <laughs> it's just sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Remember that thing where I was like, the one way to fail in a joke is to say that it's going to be hilarious. And then the second way to fail in a joke is have to explain it for five times longer than the joke is. We, we had to fill out a form to go on a TV show. And it was like, how would your friends and family describe you? And I filled out saying, I think they would describe me as the wild card. And it's moments like yep. this that make me realize, yes. Yes, I am the one. Yep. And it's I been recorded it forevermore. <laughs> so one day you can show your kids the, the beginning of your dad joke level. <laughs> Podcast uh, producer. So Tell me how, how good it is. Um, I, I'm proud of it. If it stays in, so. you know that it, it truly was hilarious. Uh, so <laughs> just, we've jumped up on the moment of silence afterwards was better. <laughs> I, yeah, I think as well, you couldn't see my face, but I couldn't even explain it. There was that much bewilderment on my face. I, I don't have the words to describe it. Uh, so we're, we're, uh, on, we're on our show. tram now. Uh, the, the host of the trams telling zingers as good as that one, I'm sure. Uh, so we get in this seven row trams and they're kind of bench seating across. And we do have a live tram driver. So similar to Jaws the Ride, they're not quite as 
energetic or quite as required to drive the story forward because a lot of it's told through like public broadcasts and stuff like that all around hmm. the city. Uh, but we take off the tram driver does. He's like, welcome, blah, 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 blah. We tune our radio to the police's frequency, which is going to monitor King Kong's movements through the city, which is going to be good because we're trying to avoid him. So as mm. you're going through this first scene, you're just looking down on the streets of New York and it looks pretty incredible. Like it feels like a real city is below you. But as you start to go further through, you start to notice things aren't quite right. As you round a corner, there's yeah. like a... um. Uh, like a fire hydrant that's spraying oh, water. Oh, no, a fire you know, like, hydrant. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's spraying uh, water. It's spraying water <laughs> like 10 meters up into the air, which is inside a building is pretty cool. Uh, True. There's broken pipes that are billowing steam down. Um, there's like at one mm. point a train has derailed and is coming off. So you start in a normal scene. You round a corner and... Uh, Stuff isn't quite right. It's, it's um, zero to a hundred pretty quickly. It's like, here's a yeah. damaged fire hydrant. Yeah, that's just the local kids. Here's some damaged pipes. Ah, that's just the local mafia. Oh, derailed <laughs> train. We can't explain that one. So, <laughs> uh, uh, bloody Spider-Man didn't save these kids. Uh, he so they've got... <laughs> <laughs> bring it. We tie it all back in this. I'll try and bring back the there you upset. Go. That wasn't a tangent. It was a big setup to a punchline <laughs> 10 minutes later. Uh, so, as you go to this part, the voice, the, the radio, the police radio that we're on says to stop all trams. I repeat, stop all trams because you'd never guess it. Kong is headed what? right for the tram route. Oh, no. That's Which bad. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So you round another it's corner. Not good. And you've got... Yeah, uh, you've got this kind of cool silhouette scene where it's like a police helicopter is uh, shining its light around and mm. it goes past a few things. And then ultimately you can see Kong's like silhouette is caught in the searchlight. So, you know, oh, nice. as you go around the corner, he's about to be here. Uh, mm. And then, of course, because it's a universal ride, a electrical pole sparks and falls over and lights on fire an ambulance. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the train that's derailed catches on fire as well because... Oh, fair. Which, to be fair, when you it's think a Universal about it, Studios doesn't make that much sense. <laughs> yeah. But those parts, I love them so much. They are so cool. <laughs> like Trains don't have petrol in them. Well, at least not their train. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the, the coolest attractions that's still available at Universal Studios Osaka is Backdraft. Where it's literally oh, just yeah. going People to this building like will shoot and fire I think it's at awesome. you. Yeah, I love Backdraft. And when you sit in there and you see it reconstruct itself as well. Yeah, that's cool. To be fair, I don't know if the 20 minutes of pre-shows completely in Japanese are worth the two minutes of special effects show. But if I that could just do the special true. effects show, I would do it constantly. Like, I'd probably do that three or four times in a day if you could just watch the ending. Over and over and over. Oh yeah, because they have, have this stuff the at the three start pre-shows, where it's like, I just want to tell you about fire safety. Fire safety is yeah. Very it's got the guy good. who's this in the backdraft film. Yeah, isn't it the same guy who's from like, Jurassic ah, Park? Surely now we'll go. Yeah, huh? Isn't it? It's what? the lead guy. Is it? 
No? Okay. Oh, I'm not sure. No. Maybe. Uh, I haven't seen the called? film Backdraft. I've only ridden that ride. <laughs> Look, it's, it's a good If you get the chance to experience it, it's worth it. Okay. If you like fire. And it's quite hot and it's, it's got a little jump scare in it. <laughs> if, so look out for like that. like fire. <laughs> Like if you're a pyromaniac, <laughs> it's the attraction for you. <laughs> and you won't get arrested for it. Like your normal <laughs> pyro tricks. Uh, so you get, as we're back on Kong. We're back on Kong. The fire, the pyro is going everywhere. Um, this curtain of steam comes up as we round a corner and it creates this like this smoke cloud until mm. we see. And this is an awesome scene. I put it in the show notes for you to look at. You round yep. a corner and there's a full-size King Kong animatronic hanging off a bridge, Jeez. which looks spectacular. Yeah. Like, that's... It's hard to explain, but it is a full-scale. He's like kind of got his leg in the water, but other than wa- that, yeah, it's a was... full-size King Kong animatronic. Which I was about to say, uh, it looks a little bit a short. <laughs> yeah. There's a little movie magic for you. Hide the you'll, leg in water. Um, you'll have to chuck that and on he comes too, around um, onto the Twitter. Yeah. Which if you get the chip, there's a quite a good POV of this ride. I've found quite recently. It's like in 4k. Someone found oh, wow. it and uh, yeah, has recently, maybe within the last couple of months and it looks incredible. So I can only imagine what it would have been like to ride. Um, mm. And then the helicopters come around this King Kong animatronic uh, and he's swiping kind of around and then the police arrive and they start shooting him, which is a, pr- a pretty dumb thing to do when you've got innocent civilians right yeah. uh, near. Because unsurprisingly, Kong doesn't like that. He starts <laughs> to essentially swing at the tram, which like drops a little bit and shakes and rocks around. Uh, but just mm. in time, a helicopter, which is a practical effect, crashes into the bridge, distracts Kong away. We're just able to kind of go limp around the corner, essentially, and escape. Mm. Uh, So we're getting towards, you know, the big, this is kind of the midpoint of the ride. So, you know, some exciting stuff's going to keep happening. You go around the corner again and they do a classic. All right, guys, everything's going to be okay. The station we can get off is just right around the corner um, and there's flashing police lights and you're like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. But as the trim makes the final corner, all you see is this like blinding white light of a police helicopter, um, which has got a cool effect. And the, uh, the host of your tram is essentially like, hey, turn out that light. I can't see what's ahead. And as soon as the light turns off, Kong is like right there, right by the ride vehicle Whoa. again. Which is, this is the second animatronic. And this one is like right at the ride vehicle um, space. You essentially are within a space that if Kong could hit you, like, Mm. you know, the previous one is kind of flailing a little bit where this one, you are like right nearby. You know how on the Hollywood version, if you're on that, yeah, you could feel his breath, that banana breath. The famous banana breath. Uh, This was the same. (laughs) But this time, Kong isn't happy. He's been fired at. He's been trying to be killed. He's already taken out two trams, Mm. and he wants you to be next. Oh, no. So what he physically does, and this is awesome, he 
picks up the ride vehicle, looks at it, like tilts it towards him to look Jeez. at the people inside, and then just goes, eh, I don't want to play with you anymore, and drops the ride vehicle, <laughs> which physically drops using that scissor lift system we were talking about earlier in the episode. Yeah. And... Could you imagine what that would have been like if you had no idea what was about to happen on yeah, this attraction? Yeah, what was coming? Like, I'm looking at this ride vehicle as well, and you're pretty much just, like, it's a seatbelt. Like, mm. it, even looking, yeah. I can't even see a seatbelt. It's just, like, something around mm. your, your waist. That's incredible. Yeah, the Wild West days yeah. <laughs> of um, theme parks. Nowadays, Which you'd be put in, like, a, a full harness with over-the-shoulder over the restraint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is weird because remember when we talked about Jaws a couple of weeks ago, that ride also had a section where the main character would pick up the ride vehicle and move uh, it. Yeah, Jaws would like one grab it and actually worked. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, and this one actually, it's yeah. easier because it's not in water. Yeah, and also it's the thing where you kind of fake it, where it's like he's looks like he's close enough, and then the ride system is just in sync with the animatronic yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and then, so he picks you up. He says, eh, you're not worth my time. You drop down to the ground and you slowly climb back and you're in the exit platform and they kind of just do a, hey guys, all good. No <laughs> worries. Kong is something. And they have a cool thing where what? they show. <laughs> yeah, I don't, they don't, they don't really like, finish the story you just hear these like helicopters and gunshots and stuff and they don't say oh, so anything you just leave as you come into this yeah <laughs> she'll be right uh as you come into this the station at the end they've got like a video mm. that's playing and it's of your actual tram which is kind of oh, cool wow. of the like you've made the nightly news and it, it's got videos of everyone on the tram and stuff that's like that cool. uh and i yeah and then you unload from what is probably one of the most thrilling five minutes of theme park entertainment mm. of all time. That's incredible. Like, and it's mm. it's incredible to think that this isn't around anymore. Like, so. Yeah, which is a shame um, because this like confrontation, the closure of confrontation, a lot of people say is the turning point for the universal well, as a company, as a whole, not just Universal Orlando Resort, because Confrontation, when this park opened, was the crowning jewel mm. attraction. Like, Jaws was awesome. Earthquake was really cool. But Kong was the big ticket ride. Yeah. And if it could close, anything could close. <laughs> it was all it on the cutting like board. If, yeah, exactly. It would be like... If Disney tomorrow, you know, announced that Small World was closing. Or even... Like, it, that would mean any... They could close it anything. It wasn't open you know? for very long, like, was it? Like, it was... Uh, so, it opened in uh, 1990 and closed in 2002. Yeah. So, it was only open for 12 years, which sounds like a lot of time, but in the world of theme parks, that's That's a nothing. short time. Like, it, that would be the equivalent of if you went to... Um, I guess let's say Hollywood Studios, and they're like, "Oh no, Midway Mania, it's gone now." As in, yeah, like, that's been here for like you know ten years. That's long mm, enough. We need to use that space so for it. another attraction. What what yeah. ended up replacing? Uh, and this it? was, yeah. So quickly, this this whole idea was because Universal was essentially like, "All right, 
our parks, Disney, they do the nostalgia thing, but our parks, Universal Studios parks, are the place where you can ride the biggest and best films of today. Mm. Kong, that's an old film, but guess what's coming up? It's something that was in the queue for some reason. A big blockbuster at the time was Mummy. Revenge of the Mummy, the Brendan Fraser franchise of Mummy films. The first one came out, was a smash success. The second one came out, was a smash Mm. success. The third one was an abomination, but that doesn't (laughs) matter because two successful films is enough. And now they've got the remake Um, with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Which was apparently also bad. Yeah. Uh, but so Confrontation closes the September the 8th, 2002, and they never gave an official reason, but it had high staff requirements, mm. high upkeep costs, high um, maintenance requirements, the animatronics, the ride vehicles, and this was a monstrously big building, 62,000 square foot show building, and they were trying to upgrade, make this the place you can ride the most modern hit movies. A huge show building like that, it's very easy to plonk almost any popular franchise into, which is what they did. And after two years of construction and $40 million, Revenge of the Mummy opened in uh, what was the King Kong show building. And the Penn Station exterior is now the Museum of Antiquities, which is showcasing a collection of Egyptian artifacts and has the exact same problem as King Kong, where outside it says, hey, this is a museum. And then you walk inside the facade and it's like, ah, you, now you're on a hot set. And then you walk in and you're in an actual mummy's temple and the ride's as if it's real. So one thing, if you want to feel like you're riding Kong again, is that thematic inconsistency <laughs> at the ride's entrance. Well, maybe it's just the saddest thing in the whole movie studio. It's the upset. <laughs> and what a good way it's to a shame end this show <laughs> Yeah it, It's a shame because I really do love Revenge of the mm. Mummy the Ride But I'm not sure it's something I Was willing to lose Kong over and never got the chance To ride Kong because it's still Today we, we talk about rides You know at this stage we still talk about rides Like Indiana Jones Adventure which turned 30 this mm. year um, As You know groundbreaking, still amazing, spectacular rides 30 years later. So for something like this to only last 12 is a real shame. It's just one of those problems where it would have been such an expensive ride and it would have been, mm. you know, as you said, high staff, high maintenance. It had physical and um, you know, mostly physical effects with the fire and all of that. Yeah. It just would have been so hard yeah. to upkeep. And as well with something like King Kong, it's not like Indiana Jones where you can just go... You know, this is the franchise. The franchise will always be like this, and Indiana Jones yeah. always will. King Kong, because it's sort of in that free space now where anyone can interpret it, yeah. it would be that thing over time where people would be like, this is old. This is not old, outdated. You know, this is yeah. not something that when I go to this a premiere theme right, park, though. and even yeah. then it would have had the problem over time of when it gets upgraded, it's like, where's Jack Black? Where's Skull Island? Yeah. Where's all this? It, it would have just been. Where's the Godzilla he can fight? Yeah, it would have been way too hard <laughs> moving forward. And I can see why it would be easy to go, look, let's just take the mummy. The mummy will always be the mummy. Whereas King Kong, it's almost yeah. like a dynamic franchise because it's not yeah. really, like it, it's just a, a it's big monkey being in reinvented. New York, not a, a hyper-specific yeah. story. 
Yeah, which they have reinvented this ride uh, with King Kong 4D on the Backlot Tour now and Skull Island Reign of Kong over at Universal Islands of Adventure, which in my opinion are much inferior versions <coughs> of King Kong attractions, unfortunately. Very good. But I'm sure maybe, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about inferior Kong attractions another day. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Review Time's Theme Park Cast. Dom, you got any final words of wisdom? Um, After some of the things I've said in this podcast, I probably shouldn't. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an upset that you're not going to say anything. <laughs> uh, but that's going to do it. Guys, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Review Time Luke. I'm at Review Time Dom. You can get in touch with both of us at Time Review and tell us how much you enjoyed Dom's amazing jokes throughout <laughs> this episode. Find us at Review Time pretty much everywhere else. Oh, Thanks for listening I to this week's episode. I quickly want to mention as Ooh, well, teaser. I'm going to jump in there. Um, you can also reach us on our email if you find it, like if... Yeah, you're someone mm. who isn't into Twitter. You can get us both on uh, Luke at ReviewTime.com and Dom at ReviewTime.com. Just email us. Uh, if you're not on yep. uh, regular social uh, media, we always check our emails and we'll always do our best effort to yep. reply. Yep, happy to chat to anyone about anything. That's going to do it. We'll catch you all next week. See ya. The Review Time podcast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. We are edited gratefully by Luke Shakatano. A big shout-out goes to our Patreons, Jake Cool, Jane McRoberts, Jeremy Koufakis, Louis Najira, Peter Matthews, Ruben Mays, Ray Dredge, John Madison, Michael Pinn, Janine Kerr, CG Lemonade, Tim Descenzo, Josie McDougall, Stephen Shorrock, Matt Sakal, Norman Lacey, Please Use Wisely, Sincerely, Mac, and to you, the listener. Review Time's Theme Park cast will be back next week. <laughs>